Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello and welcome to this episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I am so happy that you decided to listen to this show because we are at episode number 289. We're closing in. We're just 11 episodes away from that magical number 300. I was talking with another person who had started a podcast at the same time that I did coming up on three years ago this month. I actually launched the podcast on September 30th, three years ago. So I guess that was 2014. And uh, I thought I was going to do 50 episodes. And I thought that was just going to take me six months to do. And fast forward three years later, we're coming up on the 300th episode. The person I was talking to had started a podcast the same week that I did. And he did 11 episodes. And he can't believe that I have just kept this thing going. And I'll be honest with you, I can't either. But it has become a true, true passion of mine to be able to share ideas, and to interview so many cool entrepreneurs. I have learned so much about entrepreneurship, and I have been so inspired by the people who I've interviewed. Everybody has a story. Everybody has something different than they share. And I got to tell you, it's, it's contagious. I love hosting this show, and I appreciate those of you who listen to this show. So thank you so much. And today, we have two sponsors of the show. The first sponsor I'll talk about now, the other one I'll talk about in the middle, and uh, hopefully we'll get some more people who want to sponsor some of the episodes and be the upfront sponsor as we kick this thing off. And today's sponsor is Interview Valet. Now, if you want to be a guest on podcasts, and I know a lot of you do because I get a ton of emails from people who would like to be on this show, and some of them are a good match and some of them aren't, but I got to tell you, I think the best thing that you can do is you could work with Interview Valet. I book a lot of my guests through them, and I'm also looking at working with them to get me on more podcasts. They take care of everything. They set you up with a great microphone. They teach you how to be a guest. They they do everything, and I got to tell you, they are fantastic people. I have had the pleasure of meeting the owner. I've had the pleasure of working with a couple of their reps who get people posted onto shows, and they are just absolutely fantastic. So if you're thinking, you know, being on podcasts would be a great way for me to promote my business, then don't sit around and wonder how do you get on a podcast. And certainly don't start lobbing stupid emails at podcast hosts because we usually just delete them. Talk to the people at Interview Valet, and that is interviewvalet.com. Check it out today. Hey, what I want to talk about today is four tips for how you can and should recession-proof your career. So many of us are old enough to remember what happened nine years ago in 2008 when the bottom fell out of the economy. I mean, it was pretty scary. Things were, you know, people couldn't get loans to buy houses. People were being laid off in droves. It was it was not a really happy time. And sometimes when I talk to people, they forget. Even people who were laid off, who've now found great jobs, sometimes people seem to be forgetting kind of how that all happened and what all went down. But, but it wasn't really a great time. Now, I got laid off on April 1st, 2009, and that's when I launched my own business. And I'll tell you, that was a scary time to be starting a business, but it all worked out. And one of the reasons it worked out was I had spent a lifetime 
recession, recession proofing my career. And I had done so through the way I built relationships. And as I talk to people now that the economy's been kind of booming for the last couple of years, as I talk to people, I get a lot of mixed emotions about this whole quote unquote networking thing. And it worries me when people roll their eyes at me and they sort of mock the fact that I talk about how important it is to choose people. And sometimes I'll get brought in to speak at an, an, at an event and you know people will be like, oh God, the networking guy, he's going to talk for an hour. But what I talk about is simple things that everyone should be doing to protect themselves down the line. Now, when I started as a professional speaker back in 2008, 2009, there were a lot of people who had kind of counseled me that the topic of your network and being engaged in your community, I had speakers tell me, well, Tom, you've got to come up with a more sales-oriented topic or a leadership topic because sales and leadership sell all the time. But your topic, Tom, you're talking about connecting with people and the network. Some people might think that's a little fluffy. And, and while they told me they didn't disagree that it was, wasn't important, they, they agreed that it was important. They said that, you know, meeting planners, they won't see it as, as a valuable topic. They'll think it's fluffy. Plus, plus, there's a lot of other people speaking on that topic. So you'll never be able to build a career speaking on this. Well, fast forward nine years, and I have been able to build a career on it. And one of the reasons is, is that in 2008 and 2009, the bottom fell out of the economy. And I will tell you what became one of the most popular topics that people wanted at conferences was how do you do a better job of connecting with people? So the topic of networking is a little bit cyclical. In bad times, all of a sudden, everybody is curious about that because whether it's good times or bad, one of the main ways that people find new jobs, especially great new career opportunity type jobs, is through the people who they know, they like, and they trust. So your network is the conduit for finding jobs. But if you go back to 2008 and 2009, when everybody was losing their jobs, all of a sudden people looked around and some of their coworkers who had been laid off, those people quickly were reemployed. Some people got jobs relatively quick. And I remember reading articles in like the New York Times and, and other really reputable publications where they were talking to these people who had been laid off in the worst recession in, in decades. And they said, how did you get a job so fast? Well, it was through someone they knew at their church, or it was someone who they used to do business with. Essentially, it was their network that really helped them get the job. So my topic of teaching people how to connect became really important because smart associations, and, and most of them are run by really smart people, smart trade associations are there to provide value to their members. Well, a lot of their members were either being laid off or they were scared of being laid off, or their company was downsizing. And even if they weren't going to be laid off, they had to find a way to fight hard through this economic downturn to save the company, to make the type of connections that would lead to, to clients sticking with them or, or making sales. And so what happened was, is my topic became really, really popular. And that was one of the ways I was able to build my career is people really cared about this. However, once the economy starts getting good, everybody goes, nah, we don't really have to worry about people. And so they go off and they sort of ignore the topic. But what I'm starting to find is that the really, really smart people are starting to call me back saying, Tom, I think we need to have you come back or we've never had you before, but I think now is the time because we need to help our members of our association recession-proof their career or recession-proof their company. 
So this topic that is kind of cyclical, I'm seeing some people being proactive, thinking if another recession is coming, and a lot of people think that it is. When you talk to people out on the street, do you think the economy and the stock market and things are going to keep booming? Many people are sharing with me that they're like, "Eh, I think there's going to be another shoe that drops here pretty soon. And it doesn't have anything to do with politics. I mean, it doesn't matter what you think of the president or the Congress. These things run in cycles, and those cycles that used to be some 20 years apart seem to be compressing. And so the fact that we're coming up on a decade since the last recession has a lot of people worried that maybe that bottom is going to drop out. There's some instability that's going to happen that's going to scare Uh, the investors, it's going to spook Wall Street, and all of a sudden, things are going to go down, money's going to be tight, uh, sales are going to drop, people are going to have to be laid off, and it's going to start that whole cycle all over again. So I think if you want to recession-proof your career, you need to pay attention to this topic of networking, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. So Like I said, in good times and bad, the way people get most of their business and the way people get jobs is through those connections that they have. Because you got to remember that all opportunities in life, all opportunities in life come from people. Now, many of you might be sitting down right now, and if you are, you're sitting in a chair. And I'll tell you what, that is a good quality chair probably that you're sitting on. I don't think in the, the nine minutes that we've been here on this podcast, I don't think anybody's chair has collapsed. I mean, it might have, but I don't think so. However, that chair you're sitting on, it's not going to send you any opportunities. The chair isn't going to help you out. It's only people who are going to be able to help you out in good times or in bad. So if there is an economic downturn, you got to remember that all of us are vulnerable. If we look back to what happened almost a decade ago, there were a lot of people who worked on Wall Street and worked for the big banks who never thought they would be filling a cardboard box with all of their belongings and being marched out of their buildings. And yet it was happening on the news night after night. I used to be the marketing director for a big law firm and people thought, oh, well, big successful law firms, they never do layoffs. Not only were they doing layoffs, they were collapsing. People were coming to me going, what do you mean? I've been a partner in this law firm for a decade. How how did the firm go away? I don't understand. Well, it's because it went away. Things changed. I wasn't a real big fan of the book, Who Moved My Cheese? But what we saw in 2008, 2009 and beyond is a lot of cheese got moved. And you got to realize that that's going to happen. That is certainly something that could happen to any one of you, no matter what it is that you do for a living. I had a conversation with a gentleman the other day who sells information products on the internet, and he's making a lot of money. And I said, do you think an economic downturn will affect your business? And he laughed. He said, no, I'm recession-proof. I don't know if that's true or not. I would never want to be so confident to think that what I'm doing is different or better or somehow, you know, unto itself, you know, not uh, susceptible to market trends. I believe we're all susceptible to things that are happening in the outside world, no matter what it is, no matter what your product or service is. So I'm going to give you four tips that I think will really matter. Now, you can sit back and roll your eyes. You can hit pause or stop on this podcast, but I think it's really important if this idea that, hmm, maybe we are in store for some sort of another hiccup in the economy. I think if that is in the back of your mind at all, I think you have to stick with me for just the next 10 minutes as we go through these four tips and they relate back to the idea 
of why people matter. Why do you have to choose people? And how do you position yourself amongst your network to make sure that if there is a collapse in the economy, that both you and your company are at least somewhat protected? So number one, do not make the mistake of thinking that a like, a link, a share, or a follow is actually a real business network. I see this all the time. People think because they met somebody once, exchanged business cards after a two-minute chit-chat at some sort of a conference or at a chamber of commerce meeting or a happy hour, uh, or maybe they never didn't meet them in person at all. Maybe they just found them online and sent them a LinkedIn request. Somehow they think that that matters. But here's the deal. Think about LinkedIn. I could be connected to my best friend, the person who is the godfather to my child, who I have known since my first day of college. I also today could have accepted a LinkedIn request from somebody who I've never met before, but who looked pretty interesting, uh, and we had a short conversation on the phone because I don't usually link to people who I haven't talked to. If, If you follow me regularly, you know my rule is the coffee, meal, or beer rule before I link to you on LinkedIn or Facebook. Now, Sometimes that means a phone call. It doesn't actually mean we sit down and have a cup of coffee, a meal, or a beer. However, just blindly linking to people or linking after some sort of a short little two-second chit-chat does not provide any type of foundation for a real connection. And yet, everybody's looking for shortcuts. Everybody's trying to connect to everybody, and they think somehow if we have their email address and we're linked to them on social media and we can put a little heart on their uh, Instagram post that they made, that somehow that's equal to the friendship that's been developed over 30 plus years. So that's the thing I don't like about social media. If I link to my friend Dave or to my brothers and I link to somebody I just encountered, they all appear to be equal. If you were to go and look at my contacts and you were like, oh, you know Dave and you know Becky, well, you have no idea the level of connection that I have to that person. And Becky, who I just met, is not equal to Dave, who I've known for 30 plus years. So it's really important that you treat the relationships that you have like relationships. Now, it doesn't mean that somebody you just met or who you link to online, you can't cultivate that relationship, but you have to do exactly that. You have to take ownership of the people you're connected to. So one great trick that I'll give you is I do this in July and I do this in December. And that is every day I try to go through one letter of the alphabet in LinkedIn. And I look for a handful of people, not everybody, because I'm connected to a lot of people. But I look for a handful of people who I haven't been in touch with at least in the last six months or worse, maybe not in the last year or more. And I'll send them an email. Now, I don't usually use like the LinkedIn email tool because some people don't even read that. So what I do is I I see their name and I realize, gosh, it has been too long since I've talked to Ronnie. And I'll send Ronnie an email that says, hey, I thought of you today. I don't tell him that his last name starts with S and today was the day I scanned all the S's in LinkedIn. I don't tell him that. That would sort of undermine the, the sort of connection that I'm trying to accomplish. I just say, I thought of you today and it has been way too long since we've connected. Now, depending if the person is local or maybe in another town, I might say, hey, maybe we could meet for coffee or maybe we could jump on the phone. I'd love to catch up and find out what it is that you're doing. Because if you're not cultivating those relationships, if you're not actively trying to reach out to people, 
let's say there is an economic downturn and you need to reach Ronnie because he's somebody who could really help you. If you haven't talked to him for three or four years, guess what? You're that person who only calls when you need something. Now, if you remember the last recession, how many times during that did you hear from an old friend or an old coworker or an acquaintance who never, ever called you? They never responded to anything you sent them. And all of a sudden, they were laid off and they're like, hey, how you doing? Sure, when they're in need, they're choosing other people. But when they're busy and they're doing well, they're not. So I talked to a lady who'd gotten laid off from a large computer program, uh, computer company a few years back, and she was not having any luck finding a job. In fact, she was the last person in her department to find employment. Everybody else had found new employment. She hadn't. And I asked her, I said, what were you doing during the boom, boom days? What were you doing when everybody was going locally to all these high tech happy hours and all of these, you know, different types of business events? And she said, I was too busy. I didn't have time for all those people to go drink beers and shake hands. And she was angry that the people who had spent time, she didn't think that some of her coworkers were as good of workers because, or as good as parents because they'd go out after work and they kept, they were cultivating relationships. She actually said it wasn't fair that those people got jobs before her because she was better than they were. I mean, that wasn't her words, but it was certainly where she was going with that. Sure, she had clicked on a lot of people on LinkedIn, but nobody knew her, liked her, or trusted her. So don't let relationships fall into some social media bubble where you think it matters because you actually have a connection. LinkedIn is just just like an old Rolodex. It's just a way to keep in touch with people. But if you're not cultivating those relationships, nothing's going to happen. So you have to take ownership now not when the bottom falls out, if you really want something to happen. So that's my advice is start looking around at the people you're connected to, people who you really know, who you would like to keep in touch with, and just constantly reach out to them. Because if you wait until you need them and you call, they're going to roll their eyes. I started to say earlier, we all remember being at these events where people showed up after not coming and participating in the community for years. Suddenly they showed up with their resume and they handed it to you. Do you know where those resumes ended up? They ended up in the trash can, oftentimes in the room where the networking was taking place. It's not worth the paper it's printed on if the person doesn't give a damn that you exist because you've ignored them and blew them off for three years. So cultivate it. There's a book written by a guy named Harvey McKay, who's one of my idols as a speaker and an author. Harvey wrote a book, I don't know, gosh, it's got to be 15 or 20 years ago, called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. The whole book was about networking, but honestly, with the title, Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty, Harvey could have had 300 blank pages inside that book, and I promise you, the message would have been just as strong, even though it's very well written, it was a bestseller, but just the title says everything you need to know. Dig your well before you're thirsty. Choose people now if you want them to be there to help you when you need them. So that's the first one. The second tip to recession-proof recession-proof your career or help your company avoid falling totally apart during a recession is you need to actually start networking now. And I mean live. I mean you need to show up at your industry trade show. 
If you listen to this show regularly, you know I'm a huge believer. I don't care what industry you're in. You should be participating in one of the industry groups that exist. So I'm a real big supporter of the National Speakers Association because I'm a speaker. But I'll promise you, if I was a locksmith, I would be a member of the National Locksmith Association. I think whatever you do for a living, you need to show up at the council of your peers and participate and be there because you just might need those people if you have to go looking for a job or if you need to merge your company. And if you've ignored them and never shown up and then suddenly you're like, hi, how you doing? I'm in need. It's the same thing as the online just ignoring everybody and treating everybody like an equal because you clicked to them. Same thing is true with going to the groups. You need to actually participate. Now, I've been a really active member of the National Speakers Association even before I qualified for membership. And I would show up at local events and, you know, there were people who were like, oh, well, this organization is for people who are actually speakers. Well, that's what I wanted to be. So I started hanging out with people who were doing what I wanted to do. And it helped me when I made that transition because I was witnessing how people lived their life as professional speakers. So that's one of the things that you got to do is get around people in your industry, make friends with people doing what you do. And sometimes people say, well, Tom, I don't want to go to my trade association because that's where all my competitors are. I only want to go to meetings where I can sell to everybody. Now step back and think about that. If you only go places where you can shove business cards down people's throats and try to close them and try to sell them, that's kind of yucky, first of all. I mean, is, do you see the world that everybody has a pork chop hanging around their neck and you're a wolf who hasn't eaten in a month? They're like, Rrr. Sometimes you have to show up and serve. And one of the best places you can do that is within your own industry. Now, I get a lot of my business from referrals from other speakers. And the reason for that is I've shown up and I've been there and then I've done things for them and I've helped them and I've referred them. And I've been a supporter of the industry for almost a decade now. It takes time to build the kind of relationships within your industry where people have your back, where people refer you business. And in a lot of cases, what you do for a living, you might be competing regionally or you might be competing in, in, an ind in a specific industry niche. So the people who you meet aren't actually your competitors. The people who you meet, they're actually people who are serving other people. So they're doing ancillary type of competition, which means they can be referring you business in good times or in bad. And sometimes it's just they're talking you up. If people are being talked up within an industry, guess what? The clients hear about it. Speakers bureaus know who are good speakers because other speakers tell them. Clients, association executives know who to hire for their meetings because other speakers tell them. So you need to, whatever your industry is, be there and be engaged. So that's really, really important. If you're not showing up now while times are good, then it's not going to work for you in, in the long run because if you show up and you need something, it takes time to build the type of relationships where people trust you enough where they're actually going to put their reputation on the line to help you, to help you find that client or help you find that next job. So I, I see it every time there's any type of a hiccup in the economy is then all of a sudden people want to network. Well, it's going to take you years maybe to build the right types of relationships. So the recession will be over. And then you'll blow it off again because you won't need to, you won't think you need to do it. So people always roll their eyes at networking. It's because they do it backwards. Dig that well before you're thirsty, folks. Come on. 
So before I go on and read you the last two tips to uh, recession-proof your career and your company, I got to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. And I know a lot of you want your own podcast because you tell me you want to. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, the training, and the guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. They do all that heavy lifting and technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience, which is one of the things I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to grow the audience of cool things entrepreneurs do. So Podfly takes care of all the stuff I don't want to do, and they let me grow this show. So if you want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And I say it every time. They're one of the best vendors I've ever worked with. You got to check them out. So we got two more tips that I'm going to give you before I let you go. And tip number three is find ways to help other people in your network and be a connector. That's right. Networking is not about showing up and getting from other people. The actual definition that I like to use of networking is it's the creation of long-term and mutually beneficial relationships between two or more people where everyone involved finds more success because of the relationship than they would without the relationship. Now think about that for a minute. It's the creation of long-term. You can't just show up and go like, hi, everybody, help me. Long-term and mutually beneficial. The key there is mutually beneficial. It means you have to show up willing to serve the other people. And much like just getting to know them takes time, figuring out how to help other people is hard because they don't even often know what they need to be helped. One of my favorite questions that I ask at networking events all the time is, what's your biggest challenge? What do you need help with? A lot of times people don't even know the answer. They say something that's really ancillary and goofy and there's no way I could ever help them. But every now and then I run across somebody where their biggest challenge is something that I know the answer to, or I know the person who who knows the answer to it. And I'll tell you what, when that happens and I'm able to help them and solve a problem for them, they forever are thrilled. I talked to a speaker recently and a couple years back, her, I saw her speak and she really needed help with her PowerPoint. She was using kind of just a template and it looked really amateur hour for what she was doing and where she was getting booked. And I said something about it and she said, yeah, I just don't know what to do. It's too expensive or I don't know how to do it. And I introduced her to my PowerPoint guy and Paul Vorter out of Denver. Uh, he is awesome at designing PowerPoints and he does it in a way that it's not going to break your bank. And it's totally worth every penny because all of a sudden you look so much more professional when you have a great designed PowerPoint deck. Well, that was years ago that I hooked her up with Paul. And the other day I saw her and she still, she was so grateful. She said that that took her career up to another level. Well, all I did was make an introduction to somebody. I just connected her with somebody who could help her. She's the one who had to spend the money and actually work with them to create what they created. But I was that conduit for that, and she's never forgotten it because that one thing helped her raise her game. And when you're the person, you don't even have to be the person who helps her raise their game. If you're the person who connects them to the person who helps them raise your game, they're always going to remember you for it. So you have to start looking for ways that you can connect the dots for other people in your network. Be a person who is a resource. 
I tell every single client I speak for, unless I'm booked through a speaker's bureau, because that's really not my client, that's actually the speaker's bureau's client. But if I book direct, which is most of my business, as I work with companies and associations directly, I tell them after it's over, hey, I realize you don't want to have the same keynote speaker year after year. Now, sometimes they do, and if I'm the master of ceremonies, often they like to have the same person for two or three years. But I always tell them, look, I understand that, that sometimes people want to shake it up, and that's totally cool. I get it. However, now that I've worked with your team this year and I I met the people in your audience and I worked with your board, oh my gosh, I fully understand what it is that you need to wow your audience. Please use me as a resource as you're trying to come up with ideas for speakers. Now, everybody says thank you. Few people actually ever call me on that. However, I put the offer out there and I tell them, now that I've spoken for you, this offer is good for the rest of your life. You don't ever have to hire me again. But if you're struggling to find somebody on a specific topic or you need a specific demographic or whatever you need, just call me. Now, I might not find the person you hire, but I will help you create a great shortlist. I will add one or two people to your shortlist. Do you know what clients say who actually call? They say, wow, why don't more speakers do this? You know, because most of us in every industry, we perform a service and we get our paycheck. And we think, oh, we've provided value because we've done what we've served and they've paid us. And that is so true. But when you can go that extra mile, when you can say, let me be a resource for you because I have a special skill. In my case, I'm really good at connecting audiences to other speakers. In fact, I wish I was as good at connecting myself to the right audiences all the time because after I meet an audience, I can totally tell what rocks their world. And so I want to do that. I want to be that resource for that meeting planner, for that association or that company, for their event next year. And I've actually received calls three and four years later from clients who say, hey, we're not ready to have you back yet, but you one time said that you could help us and we're struggling with this for our keynote on day two. Now, I give them some names. Sometimes that's not who they hire, but sometimes it is. And when it is, guess what? I not only win with the client because I've connected them with somebody amazing, and I'm very cautious about who I refer. They have to be amazing. I have to have seen them. I have to trust them. But then I'm also, I also win with that speaker because that speaker is like, wow. One guy, I booked him, I helped him get booked into what was the biggest event he had ever done. And it led to more business for him, and it was really good. He spent the next year trying to refer me for business. Well, it's not that easy because you got to find the right match. But he worked. He was like a little outdoor sales, outside salesperson for me, trying to make sure he could return the favor. And, And he didn't have to do that. But I love the fact that he did, and I will refer him again and again and again and again because he's awesome. And we've developed a mutually beneficial friendship. So make sure that you're finding ways not just to do good work. Doing good work in whatever you do is just the ticket into the game. Your clients expect you to do good work. How can you take it an extra mile? What can you do to go a little farther? And then the final tip, tip number four of how you can recession-proof your career or help your company set itself up to get through the bumps in the road that might be coming. Number four, position yourself as an industry expert. How do you do that? Well, one way is get on podcasts that are being listened to by people in your industry. I don't care what you do for a living. There are probably several podcasts out there, and many of them are probably interview format podcasts. Reach out or work with Interview Valet to reach out and become a guest on these shows. Another thing, 
write for your company newsletter or your company blog or your association newsletter or the association's magazine. Find out how can I be a contributor. I write two articles a year for the Meeting Planner uh, International, Meeting Professionals International magazine. It's called uh, Meeting Professional. is actually the name of the magazine. And twice a year, I write an article for them on exactly things about the, the meetings industry, usually that relate to speakers. It positions me as an expert in that industry. I have actually picked up business because people read an article who I wrote. They went to my website and they said, oh, he'd be perfect for what I do. So position yourself as that. Now, it doesn't mean that every time you write an article or you're on a podcast, your phone's going to ring, but it helps plant your name out there. You can also uh, write articles on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has a way, I think they still call it LinkedIn Pulse, and you can write blog size articles and post them on there, and they have really good uh, uh, searchability on Google. They also have a wide distribution within LinkedIn. If it's an article that gets picked up and gets a little lots of likes, they will forward it out. I've done that and had lots of people come back to me and say, I really like that article that you wrote on X, Y, and Z. So position yourself as an expert in your industry. And if you're doing that and you're setting yourself up as someone who knows what's going on, as you then show up at events and meet people, they're going to say, oh, I've heard your name before. Why do I know your name? And that's going to help set you up for the times when you're going to need something. People always want to help the industry experts, especially if those industry experts have built a reputation of being someone who helps other people. Because if you're someone who's out there always helping other people, people are going to want some of that. So they're going to do things for you so that they can get on your radar screen. If someone wants to get on my radar screen, the best thing they can do is, is find a way to do something for me. And trust me, I then want to bust my back to help them. It's human nature. It's the way it works. And yet we live in this world where everybody's like, here, look at me, buy my stuff, do my thing. I got to tell you that if you position yourself as an expert and if you're helping other people and if you're participating within your industry and if you're treating relationships like dating, right? It's like a real thing. It's not, you don't meet somebody in a bar and marry them the next day. I mean, I met my wife in a bar. Well, my wife prefers I tell people it was a microbrewery, but uh, I met her in a microbrewery and we went on our first date a couple days later. And then there was a second date and a third date. And eventually, you know, we, we went away for the weekend and, and we went to parties together. And I met her family and friends and she met my family and friends. And it took a year and then we got engaged and we planned a wedding and then we got married. The same thing is true in business. Clicking to somebody on LinkedIn or following them on Instagram does not mean anything. So you have to do all of these things in conjunction with each other because when well, I should say if the bottom falls out, but we all kind of believe it's when. And it might be this year, it might be three or four years from now. But if it happens, if you have started preparing today, I promise you it's going to be much easier to navigate than if you wait and just think, ah, I don't have to worry about people. You know, if I get laid off, then I'll start calling people. Ugh. If I had a dollar for every time somebody said that, who then found no help, they just got crickets out there in the world. And then they blame the whole idea of networking. They go, oh, this networking stuff doesn't work. Nobody helped me when I got laid off. Well, no, because you were selfish and self-centered and not worried about anybody else for five years before that. Why in the world would they want to line up to help you? And yet I saw other people, myself included, who either needed a job or started their own business where people lined up 
to introduce them to clients or introduce them to possible employers or hired them or took them on as a, as a consultant to help them through the bridge while they were looking. There's so many stories that I witnessed of people who were helped by others because they had been part of that community in good times and in bad. So there's my tips to help you weather the storm if and when that storm comes I think you need to be recession-proofing your career every single day, and one of the best ways to do that is the way you engage with people. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody really cool. And if you would like to get more involved, now is the time to join the Potential Mastermind Group. This is my group coaching program. I'm so excited about it. I'm looking for three or four more people to get involved because It's just so much fun to be able to have a group of people where you can share what you're trying to accomplish and have a group who are going to hold you accountable and cheer for you when you actually pull some of this stuff off. So now is a great time. Jump over to PotentialMastermind.com and all the information you could want is right there. As I said, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody really cool. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.